Hello, you're listening to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast, powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting here across the table from my co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back. This is episode number six of our new podcast. Um, today's topics are going to cover the importance of low heart rate aerobic training, particularly uh, early on um, in kind of starting that base training foundation. And then kind of coinciding with week two of our 15th annual base builder program uh, for, for building up for the 2020 season. Um, we have both um, our in-house program that, like I said, we're into our 15th year this year, which is really exciting, 15-year anniversary. Yeah, and um, and then we also have our remote base builder training program, which is this is sort of the second, I guess, official year we've had. We tested it prior to that, but second official year of that, uh, where people can join in and train with us wherever they live. Um, if it's you know here in Colorado or in a different state, or oh, I think we had someone sign up from Hong Kong today. Yeah, someone from Hong Kong, um, awesome. an American in Hong Kong. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, we had somebody else. Uh, from I think it was like Finland or Sweden or something like that join us as well so we're going you know we're getting international so whatever that's pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so if it if listening to these podcasts is and our base builder program sounds interesting and like something you would want to do you can definitely join in on the the program and follow along with us I mean really for the next um I would say three months you could still join in and not really be quote behind um i mean the sooner the better but um these first two months are really focused on the strength training that we touched on in the last episode getting started with that that's easy to kind of catch up with if you kind of enter in a month from now or even two months from now and even the first block where we introduce the trainer workouts um it's a lot of um aerobic intervals on the trainer when we get to that point in november and you can still join in then I mean, really, anytime between now and the first of the year, I would say. So don't delay if it sounds like something fun. We'd love to build this up and make it something big and fun and, and get the more people in, the more fun it becomes and, um, and that sort of thing. So to sign up for it, um, go to our website. It's endurance.session6.com. And then under the group tab, um, at the bottom of the group tab, the fourth option is our remote base builder program. Click on that, takes you to the page with lots of info, and then on that page you can, uh, there's a link to PayPal to register, and then we'll get that notice that you registered. We send you an email, starting a startup email, to get you going on Training Peaks, or if you already have Training Peaks, how to link um, our accounts and get the program loaded up, and then you can kind of really, literally, like, get started that day training with us, um, and then catching up with some back issues of our podcast and kind of getting all caught up. Right. Exactly. Um, another little bit of, I don't know what you'd call this housework or whatever, but um, some some things to be aware of. We do have a uh, Labor Day sale. Um, if you're listening to this, it's Friday, so it's active um, through Labor Day, which is the com- next coming Monday. Twenty five percent off of our stock base builder plan. So the, our stock base builder plans. Um, are available on Training Peaks as you, you buy them from Training Peaks, download it to your Training Peaks program. We have um, as short as a 12 week version, 
Uh, we have an 18-week version, and we have a 24-week version of the um, stock base builder plans. They both, All of those come in a low and a high volume um, option, depending on how much time you want to put into your training. And um, it's a great option, uh, kind of a low-cost introduction option. Now, it's not exactly what we're doing in our 2020 base builder program, but it's very similar. Um, so it is something you could purchase, follow along. It would definitely make sense listening to what we're talking about here on the podcast and what you're, you would be doing depending on what version you're on. It just might be like at slightly different time frames and things. So um, just a good option and good thing to be heads up if you're kind of thinking of a low-cost entry into doing this. Our stock plans are the way to go. So again, that's um, endurance.session6.com. And this time you'd go under the individual drop-down menu and stock plans is the first one there. You click on it, scroll down, there's a little bubble with the base builder plans. You click on that and you can find them all. You can also go directly to the Training Peaks website um, and in like the training plan store, search like my name or probably type in base builder. I should have tried it. Um, but base builder would probably pop up and you'll see our And we'll post options. some things on our social media sites, Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, some reminders. Yeah, Some reminders and like the links to find... Um, the way to purchase the plans. Exactly. And the code, the discount code. Yeah, well, the code I can tell you too. It's um, Base Builder 25, all capitals, Base Builder 25. And you get, you'll enter that on Training Peaks as you're making your purchase of the plan. The and number it, 25. The number 25. And that'll get you that 25% off of those. So, awesome. Um, yeah, go check it out if you're interested. Um, all right, that's enough of that sales pitch stuff. What have we been up to in the last week since we last did a podcast well we got to go to the first of the colorado nica races that's the high school mountain bike league yes national interscholastic cycling association Association, nica right so um we are in the north league uh, where we're located and we spent the day on sunday in frisco but some of our athletes on our development team our we devo team were were down in nathrop in the south league Right. So, unfortunately, we didn't get to watch everybody, but we heard some amazing reports. Yeah, it's kind of a plus or minus. Like, here in Colorado, the high school league, the NICA league, is enormous. Probably among one of the bigger ones, I would imagine. I think they had the 700 country. racers just in the just North Just in the league. North, right. Yeah, so double that. You're close to 1,500 high kids that yeah. are racing. Boys and girls. It's pretty cool. But that is one of the things that's a little... Unfortunate isn't the right word, but the way we have North and South it's mm-hmm. in Denver, roughly the dividing line kind of runs through Denver. So it's like, yeah, we the, the kids on our We Devo team were kind of split. Um, our daughter Sophia races North, but a good chunk of our other yeah. riders are in the South. But um, so we were getting text updates, yeah, like all morning while <laughs> the kids were racing at the South League, and um, yeah, we want to brag about the kids a little bit. Uh, do you want to start with? Sure. Maybe talk about Sophia because she kind of had an unfortunate situation. Then we'll brag about the kids from the South League. Sure. So Sophia, our daughter, um, finished second in the varsity um, first race. She was riding very well and then unfortunately had a um, puncture in her rear tire. Um, We didn't really know what it was at the time, but it ended up being like a bead, kind of like a pinch flat right along the bead of the the tire. Um, We think that she probably burped the tire early on. It was kind of a rocky course. And then with the low pressure riding through the rocks, compressed the tire against the rim and kind of snake bit the... It was like right along the, the where the bead attaches to the tire. And it's like a just what pull. happened to you at the national championship course. Yeah. Well, I think the burp part was. Right, we, right. But we like that weird slow leak and then 
Also, both of you had to stop three times. To right. So she put some air in, got going again. It kind of slowly deflated again. She came through. The feed zone was able to get some more air, and then um, it eventually kind of yeah. held at least enough to to right. finish in seconds. So, so she was a little disappointed, a little frustrated, but that's racing. Yeah. But we I, got a lot of kudos. I was in the feed zone, and a lot of the other coaches were, like, impressed with how calm and collect she was getting the air in, into the tire and that sort of thing. That was right. very I agree. cool to, right. to see. Because it's easy to freak out. And I would have freaked out. <laughs> make things worse. Um, so, yeah, in the South League, they raced in um, Nathrop, uh, which is a little town two hours south west of Denver um, on kind of an interesting course on some private land. But, yeah, we had three riders from our WeDevo team, Kennedy, Blake, and Nate. Kennedy, they all did amazing. Yeah, Kennedy really crushed the strategic part of the the racing aspect. I, I know she's really proud of herself, and she should be. Uh, she she kind of, like, tucked in on the first lap and, like, drafted, if you want to call it that, uh, the other riders as they run, went around the first lap of the course, and then she was very aware of who was doing what, and when somebody attacked, she would go with them. I just loved that. Yeah. And so she was right on their wheel. I heard also she was dropping girls on the descents. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then it actually ended up being a sprint finish with her and another awesome uh, female racer in town, Mia Asseltine. So unfortunately, Kennedy got out sprinted, but also kudos to Mia. She she brings a lot of strength from her her racing background on on the road. Um, but yeah, it was t- second step on the podium, first r- race of the Nike season. Yeah, great way to start. And it's funny because both she and Sophia were. Two weeks ago-ish, like, kind of freaking out that, like, high school season was starting. I gave them kind of, like, a extended break after nationals of, like, a couple weeks of little to no riding, um, at least recommended. And then um, they were kind of get back to riding, but with no intensity, and they were both kind of, like, feeling like, oh, I'm out of shape, you know. Yeah, I'm going to lose all my fitness. I had to let, remind them that they worked hard all year for, you know, 10-plus months, and the fitness was <laughs> still there, even though they probably weren't, like, feeling spunky maybe right right and clearly with both of them getting second place um in the varsity was they're they're only going to kind of continue yeah, to absolutely rise and the, i think there's a real confidence booster especially for kennedy with her really um focused like attention on who was doing what in the race and yeah she nailed the race strategy and then on the boys side we had blake uh in varsity boys varsity um, and he finished eighth place. Yep, that's which, solid. Top 10 at any of the varsity races is huge. Yeah, and I'm thinking that's probably a PR. I'm not 100% sure on that, um, but I have a feeling top 10, eighth place um, varsity boys is a pretty solid result and um, probably one of his better, if not his best. I, I think he should be very proud of himself. Yeah, I, absolutely. I looked at the results, and the top 10 were all within just a couple minutes of each other. Right, right. And it really shows that residual fitness that you have of a full off-season base program, and then into the race prep through the summer that we did with them, that it's still there. And then um, the youngest rider on our development team, Nate, um, raced JV, and he ended up having an amazing race as well. He crushed it. He got second. second. Yeah. Yeah, he he was only one minute behind, and through some texting with him, he felt, I guess he was a little frustrated on that course, and, and you know we've been there before in previous mm-hmm. seasons. It's, it's, a it's bit, hard to pass. It's a bit difficult to pass, yeah. and when you're... I think there were 190 kids in the JV boys racing yeah, group. And so insane. then you start lapping some of the newer riders, and it can be frustrating when you can't get past them. Right, because you can have a sophomore or 
I guess, senior aged writer that's new to writing and they get placed in JB because right. they're not a freshman. They're not and it's a, a huge field. And when you swoop up on the third lap and you can't get around the kids, you have to be patient and try not to freak out that the person you're trying to catch is maybe getting around the writers you can't get around. Right, right. That's just how it is. But I'm proud of Nate. He, he did amazing. Yeah, he raced rode, well. Rode so strongly and And he'll finished probably end second. up in varsity before the season's over, I have a feeling. Right. So. Yeah, good job, guys. Yeah. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, really well done. Um, let's see. What what else have we been up to? Well, we both kind of returned to strength training um, last week, um, just following our base builder program. Well, I think both of us. Sore? I had a little residual soreness. Yeah, I was just a little bit I was going to get to that. Like, both okay. of us um, were very consistent with strength training all summer long. And then kind of end of July, just as the season sort of wound down, we ended up not strength training. I, I know myself, I didn't get to the gym for at least two weeks. Yeah, mine was a little bit more sporadic the last couple of weeks because we were busy yeah. getting like, like Emma off to college and the kids back to school. Right, right. So getting back to the gym last week, um, or, or really this week as we're recording this, um, even though we were very, very light loading following mm-hmm. our program, you know, there was a little bit of, very minor, but a little bit of Yeah, I was there. surprised. Like you woke up, I woke I up surprised. like knowing, oh, I did some different movements exactly. yesterday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and that's the way you want to be. So those following the program, you know, after your first couple of strength sessions, you hopefully are not like out of control sore, but you, it's like you notice you did something and something different. Would you call that like a two or three out of 10? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If you, if you're more than two or three out of 10, you probably, um, were not conservative enough with guesstimating your weights. Right. Kind so of lift, ended up lifting too much. Reevaluate that. We don't want you to be that sore. Right. And no, nor should you be. So anyone starting off on their strength training journey, whether it's following our program or somebody else's, those first several weeks, it's all about adapting, learning the movements, adapting to the loads. There's going to be some soreness, kind of that two out of three um, kind of level of soreness. And then as the weeks go by, the weights will go up and you'll still maybe still be around two to three soreness, but we won't ever be like a seven or eight soreness where we can barely move um, right that would not be good that would not be good so so yeah we we did that um what else i know on the bike um my knee's starting to feel better i've been getting out for some two two and a half hour easy rides on the cross bike so Mm -hmm. hashtag cross is coming um (laughs) (laughs) i think we're we're both gonna target cross Mm -hmm. as like a full season which i did once when i was probably like 22 so a long time ago and Usually, I have done only two races. Last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I do need to go practice how to mount and dismount. Yeah. I don't so this remember. Is, for all sense and purposes, new for us and exciting, and we're, you know, we're interested in giving it a go. I'm so. really excited about it. Yeah. I got my bike built up um, the week before last, so it's always fun to be riding a new bike. Um, and then we got you some new wheels and got your cross tires Oh, yeah. Tires I guess on. we did have a fun day over the weekend where we rode our bikes down to... One of our daughter's cross-country meets, and we took some little zippy trails that run alongside of a bike path, and we were on a cross bike, so we had to kind of zip off the concrete and be on dirt. Which is nothing on a mountain bike, but on the cross bike, it 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 was really fun. It was like engaging. Yeah, it feels really different and fun, and yeah, kind of like wee-wee as we went through the trees. Right, right. So, um, So starting to get some riding in. 
And um, keeping everything very low intensity, writing-wise. Um, I mean, both of us are getting over mine kind of a newly... Yeah, an acute injury from a race. Yeah, acute injury of my knee being a little tight, um, and that's slowly getting better. And then your kind of chronic issue yeah, you had all year. With... six months ago that my IT band flared up on a really big ride in Arizona, and I'm but you're over so hump, excited. Like. Yeah, it's getting much better, and I'm on my bike... Probably like five times a week now, doing about one and a half to two and a half hour rides, and that, yeah, that's, that's a really big deal for me right now to be able right. to be on my bike that much. Right, and up to this point, it's all been low heart rate, which is what we want to talk about, kind of here in the meat meaty part of the the show today. But um, it was really good, kind of committing for you to, at that low heart rate training. Yes, to yeah. kind of taking a step back, going slower, and letting the body kind of adapt and heal. And yeah, that was hard for me. To get on board, it's too bad we don't have a video clip or an audio clip of my freak out when you suggested slash instructed me to keep my heart rate at 125 <laughs> on all my rides. And yeah, I, I really had a, a childish fit sitting outside in the porch. Right. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassing. But it, it's because I was used to the idea of my aerobic threshold heart rate being 145. And so I had that number in my head. All the trainer... On the trainer workouts last year. Right, right. For aerobic threshold, yeah. Right. So I had that number in my head. And you said, oh, this is going to be great. You can get back on the bike more often, the PT said. and But I want you to keep your heart rate at 125. And oh my gosh, it like triggered this ridiculously irrational, <laughs> immature response of, oh, no way, I can't ride that slowly. That's that's so stupid. It's so boring. <laughs> oh my gosh. But the truth is, and you're going to go into the, all the reasons why, it was the wise choice. Um, I have not irritated my knee riding as often as I've been able to. And that, that number one, that's huge. And number two, it's been better for like my sadness and my depression about not being able to ride. And I'm for the first time in my life, probably building a, a really good aerobic base. Yeah. And I, I have so many reasons I'm excited about this. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not sore and I'm looking forward to being on my bike and I get to go ride with friends. It's really been fun. Yeah. And you don't have to dread like a. I'm not dreading intervals. intervals yet. And, yeah. yeah I'm just really having interval. fun with it. So. Right. I'm sorry I freaked out, <laughs> and you were right, which is usually the case. Oh wow! Okay, mm-hmm. everyone hear that? That was. That's true. Everyone <laughs> knows that knows us. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's a good segue into the meaty part of the show today. About we want to talk about that importance of low heart rate aerobic training, and this is something low heart rate training is something cyclists should and most many do throughout the year, but it's of particular importance now as we've. Um, kind of concluded a previous season. You've hopefully taken a bit of a break, a one to two week break that we we talked about in the last episode. Um, kind of like refreshing the mind and and the body a little bit, but taking that break and now you're getting back to training and setting up for for next year for 2020. Um, the low heart rate aerobic training is the place to really start and to build that foundation of fitness that you're going to build up upon over the coming months of building your base following our program or any base training program. And then also as you get into higher intensity and race training and so on later in, you know, late winter, spring, summer. Um, so it is, it is for all sins and purposes, in my opinion, the most important types of type of training is just riding low intensity for longer and longer durations. Um, 
you know, slow down to get fast is what I try to remind people. You know, it's like... It's a good mantra. Yeah, so many people want to... It's fun to go fast, and when people get on their bikes, especially competitive people like most of us are, we want to go hard. And, and also, maybe you only have an hour and ten minutes to ride your bike, and it's like you want to make the most of it. So the, the natural tendency is to go faster or go harder, and oftentimes that is not the most beneficial thing to do. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll go through... Some of the benefits, these are not all of them, but these are kind of the three main ones I kind of thought of before we started the show here is, uh, number one, the improved cardiac function. So the ability to build your cardiovascular system. So we're talking about like your heart muscle, your your blood, your uh, all the um, capillaries, you know, veins and and um, and whatnot through the body to, for delivering oxygen, basically, that, that improved cardiac function. The second one is from a muscular standpoint. So you're going to improve like muscular function, um, you know, building up those slow twitch muscle fibers for endurance. Um, also, you can touch on the fast twitch fibers, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, through low heart rate training, believe it or not, everyone associates fast twitch fibers with like sprinting and hmm. weightlifting, but you can actually train them by going slowly as well. Um, and then also we'll call it improved fuel utilization or, you know, kind of getting your body to use the appropriate fuels, fats and carbohydrates at the right times and the things that go along with improved fuel utilization. So Um, are you saying you will lose weight if you slow down? Yes, that is quite often the case. Um, And maybe we'll talk about that more when we get there. But yeah, if you slow down and tap into more of the fat burning energy system, that aerobic energy system, and particularly the lower end of it, um, you do use more fat for fuel. And if you can accumulate enough minutes and hours there, a lot of uh, body composition changes can happen, meaning you lose fat, fat mass on the body. And this is the perfect time of year to do that, right? right? Going into the fall season, you know, maybe you have cross races that you need to eat carbs around. But other than that, you know, um, it's the time to kind of start thinking about if, if you're more than say five or 10 pounds over your ideal weight, thinking about trimming that, getting that closer to being just five or 10 pounds over your ideal weight. So, um, so yeah, so those are kind of the three, um, benefits. Um, so back to the, the first one, the, that cardiac function improvement, some of the things that come with the, the low heart rate aerobic training is, um, improving, your mitochondria, um, mitochondrial s- proliferation, which is a fancy way of saying how, ma- how many mitochondria you have um, in your body, and also the size of each individual um, mitochondria. So thinking back to high school biology, mitochondria is like the powerhouse of the, of the body or the cell, and it's basically where we get our energy from. We, you know, we take in... Um, the, the the oxygen and produce it into ATP and it allows us to move our body. So the more of these cells that we have, um, the more work we can do. Also, the more sort of efficient or the bigger and stronger, so to speak, they are, the more performance you can get out of your your yourself. So that those improving that mitochondrial size and proliferation really only comes from riding slowly and for larger and larger amounts That's really fascinating. of time. Yeah, I mean, intervals don't 
really do much for that. If anything, it's really just accumulating time, uh, aerobic, low intensity aerobic training. Um, another benefit is the capillary density. So to deliver oxygen to our muscles, we have like this intricate network of capillaries that, um, the blood flows through to, to get to the muscles. Um, we're all sort of given an innate amount of those capillaries, but as we become more aerobically fit, you can kind of think of the, the capillaries actually sort of grow and expand and think of them as like little fingers coming out of maybe a main capillary. And then you get these little ones that kind of finger out and get deeper into the muscles. The more like branches you can get going out, you know, you can deliver more oxygen to your, to more of your muscles and um, that allows you to go faster, improve your performance. So um, through, again, through that low intensity, slow riding, again, accumulating more and more time doing that, you um, really improve, increase the amount of those capillaries and the density of them and how much they kind of branch out and what you can do there. So, you know, these are all main reasons why someone who's been riding their bike for decades, let's say, you know, like a professional racer is so good and they could stop training is that all these kind of like, all this like infrastructure like has biological been Biological adaptations Yeah, and it doesn't there. really go away. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe to some degree, but in the big picture, it really doesn't go away. So that's why they could stop training for five years or whatever and then come back to it and be way better than anyone else just coming back to it. And then it, with a little bit of training, they'll get significantly mm -hmm. better very quickly. It's all there. Um, and then another one is, um, from the cardiac function standpoint is, um, basically making your heart stronger. So you're going to increase like the, the stroke volume, how much blood per single heartbeat your body can, your heart can push through your body. Um, so again, it all, it's all coming back to delivering, oxygen which is in your blood to your muscles um is really the, the bottom line of all of this so um and having an actually bigger heart your heart does grow like a, like other muscles it gets bigger as you become more aerobically fit and it can pump more blood per beat which is why the more fit you are the lower your heart rate your resting heart rate is noticeably lower when you're very fit compared to an unfit person and then also your training heart rate i mean over the years like a lot of newer endurance athletes will you know, cycle along at 200 watts, let's just say, and um, the heart rate is, uh, you know, 170 beats, whereas when they become more fit, the same 200 watts, they're pedaling along now at 160 beats. I mean, that's a simplistic example, but that's because they become a more aerobically fit and their heart is pumping more blood, more oxygen um, per beat, and it doesn't have to work as hard, essentially. And then you can see then... If it, they can still get their heart rate to 170, they can go that much yeah, harder. We would, we would talk about this concept quite a bit when we were training for triathlons many years ago. And um, you were having us do run training the same way. Yeah. Like, go run three miles. You have to keep it aerobic. Oh, my gosh. I was going 10-minute miles yeah. at the beginning. And you have to walk up any kind of hill. Exactly. Or yeah. And then you would say, you know, well, the, the amazing part are that the, the professional Amazing part is the professional marathoners, for example, are running aerobically at six-minute miles. Right, and that's their easy And it blew my base. mind. Yeah. Blew my mind. Right. They can have full conversations yeah. where an untrained or mildly trained person to run a six-minute mile is, like, pretty fast. Right. You know? But, um, 
Yeah, I mean the same, and that's an, another kind of interesting thing too about aerobic training is it doesn't really like actually your muscles don't really care what you're doing. It's you're training your cardiovascular system. So you know whether you're riding your bike, running, cross country skiing, you know hiking up a hill, whatever the case may be, you're getting all those aerobic benefits, and that's where like cross training can be beneficial um, this time of year. Um, you know, if you don't, if you've kind of had your fill of bike riding through the, you know, through the summer months and you want to take a little break, you can still build your aerobic system doing other activities. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. It's not specific to the muscles. So your heart doesn't care what your muscles are doing to make the heart work and build that, um, that, that cardiac function. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty, I mean, it's fun stuff. I, I'm very fascinated by, uh, those like biological mm-hmm. adaptations. So um, now, some other benefits do come from the slow heart rate training from a muscular standpoint. Um, what you're developing, what you're focusing on, are those slow twitch muscle fibers. So those are associated with like our endurance muscle fibers. Um, so to improve the how well they function and how much work they can do, you train them at low intensities. Um, this is pretty well known and, and figured out. And, you know, again, a lot of the low heart rate stuff does require, because it's low heart rate, it does require longer and longer durations. Um, and that can be a limit for some people at, at certain points. Eventually you get to a limit. A professional rider can ride 30 hours or more a week, but the working person, person with a family, a job, etc., cetera, um, you know, certainly can't train that much and maybe all they can get in is eight hours or 10 hours or a week or whatever. And there is some sort of limit there. And then that's where adding some intensity does play a part. But for the most part, you want to kind of gradually build that duration, even if it's one ride a week that gets longer. Um, and really kind of training those slow twitch muscle fibers to become better at not slowing down. Okay. So a lot of this, like, a lot of aerobic training is focused on um, essentially that, not slowing down. So reducing that rate of fatigue that somebody has, okay? So people that come into endurance sports and they maybe they come from more of a strength or power sport background. So let's say like a, if you ran track or played soccer or you played football or you know any of these kind of more power-based sports, they're likely highly developed from a muscular power standpoint but lacking and that aerobic standpoint. And that's where this low heart rate training is super critical as well. Taking someone who's maybe newer to the sport and wanting to become more fatigue resistant, um, this low heart rate training is like even more critical. Right, but therein lies a challenge. If they've come from like a soccer background or basketball and they're used to sprinting up and down a field or a court, it's hard to get them to slow down. It is, Which yeah. we can get into later in the podcast, but yeah, it just st- struck me as yeah. the biggest challenge is... It's, that's not in their mindset of how you train to slow down. Right, exactly. And it's not for anyone who races. It doesn't make sense at first to slow down because we're trying to get faster. But this is how you get faster. So anyone listening, if you're if you're newer to the endurance sports, newer to cycling, and you're you're you come from a power sport, power strength sport background, so. Maybe you're a weightlifter, a soccer player. You know, most teams, team and ball sports are power based. Um, this is where this low heart rate training time of the year is really, really critical to really 
build that foundation and, and help improve your fatigue resistance, basically. Now, if you've been, maybe you were a distance runner or uh, many years as a cyclist, you know, and your aerobic foundation is pretty well established, I still think it's very important for this low heart rate training, but maybe you don't have to do quite as much of it and or maybe you don't have to adhere to some of the limits as much. But I'll tell you personally, with 20 plus years of aerobic training and racing under my belt, I will still do this every year. Um, it's just like a nice reset. I really enjoy riding slowly at certain times of the year, and um, it still has its benefits from a maintenance standpoint. Absolutely, and, and from a, an emotional and mental standpoint, it is your break from the, the, structure, the structure, the intensity, intensity and right. having to like worry about how painful the intervals are going to be today. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so that is critical. Um, so I mentioned earlier that you can even train those fast twitch muscle fibers through slow, you know, aerobic training. Now to do that, what you have to do is really get out for those long rides. So this is something you might work up to over many weeks, even months potentially. Um, but the fast twitch, that's like our strength and power movements. So, um, what you have to do to train those from a low heart rate standpoint is ride more or less to an exhaustively long duration where you tire out your slow twitch muscle fibers and then you have to start recruiting those type 2 fast twitch fibers. So it's not it's actually an extremely effective way to to train, but it does require you to be riding for progressively longer and longer periods of time. So someone who's maybe newer to the sport or more out of shape, you know, maybe a three-hour to four-hour ride will get you to that exhaustive. Maybe in a four-hour ride, that last hour, you're tapping into some of those fast-twitch fibers as your slow ones fatigue. Mm. Then later on, as you become more fit, it might take a six-hour ride, and it's that, that sixth hour after the five hours that you start tapping into it. So there are some uh, definite benefits from that, and that's a big part of the low heart rate training is extending that duration this isn't necessarily something you'll do immediately, obviously. We're going to start with relatively short, low heart rate rides and then gradually build them up. And again, everyone's going to have different limitations. I mean, not everyone can get out for a six-hour ride on a Saturday because they have you know, other things to do with their family and stuff. But you know, at least attempting to nudge those numbers up as high as you can while keeping everybody happy, um, <laughs> not neglecting your family. Um, and getting those in um, will make a big difference as well. And we'll talk more about that in the future um, when we get to the point where long rides become more and more kind of important. Um, another muscular benefit real quick too is a little different angle, but um, basically if the more you ride your bike, um, the more your muscles adapt. So you'll one, you'll become more efficient at pedaling, but also things you might may or may not think about, but like the muscles in your arms, like your triceps that hold you up, your low back muscles, your neck muscles, all these sorts of things, that low heart rate training, particularly getting to longer durations, you know, has its benefits of uh, just getting you more comfortable on the bike. Um, so it's another kind of benefit of low heart rate training equating to longer distance riding um, and the adaptations that occur. Um, We'll move on to the kind of that third benefit I touched on, which was improved fuel utilization. And this is kind of a big one. Um, perhaps among one of the benefit, most beneficial ones is that by riding more slowly at a lower heart rate, um, you're, you're going to do a number of things to kind of how your body uses fuel. 
number one, it's going to utilize more fat for fuel. Okay, so, and then I guess conversely, it's going to train the body to spare or not use as much glycogen. Okay, so those are the two fuel sources that we, in a nutshell, to keep it simple, fat and carbohydrates or glycogen or what we use for fuel and endurance sports for the most part. Um, fat, everyone, even the leanest person out there with 3% body fat or whatever has more than a fat to ride their bike for hours. Um, obviously those with higher body fat percentages, it's, it's not a problem. Um, glycogen or carbohydrate on the other hand is extremely limited. We have about, give or take, two hours depending on the person and how fast you're going, um, of stored energy that we can use from carbohydrate. Now, fat utilization, glycogen utilization, it's a sliding scale. We're burning both at all times of our existence. Okay, so even sitting here recording this pod podcast, you and I are we're building, we're burning both fat and carbohydrate. Now, as we get up and walk around, that percentage, let's say sitting here is, I'm just going to use easy numbers, is 90% fat, 10% sugar, or carbohydrate. We stand up and we walk up the stairs in the house, that scale is going to slide maybe to 80% fat and 20% carbohydrate, right? And, and likewise, our heart rate is going to go up a little bit. Now, let's say we go outside the house and we start walking briskly down the street. Again, it's going to slide a little bit more. Now, maybe it's 70% fat and 30% carbohydrate. Then maybe we break into a jog. Again, it's going to keep sliding towards the carbohydrate side, right? Then we break out into a, a good paced run. Now we've maybe gone past the 50-50 point. We're burning now maybe more carbohydrates than fat, digging into more of that quickly depleted glycogen storage. And now maybe we keep building the pace and we're running a full-on you know 5K pace or whatever. And now maybe we're only 20% fat and 80% carbohydrates. So now we're really digging through the carbohydrate stores more. Eventually that becomes depleted and we run out of gas. And that's, and that's when you bonk. And that's when you bonk. Yeah, exactly. So when you bonk, it's like you've ran out of, more or less ran out of sugars or carbohydrates and you have to slow down. Like your body just, you, maybe you feel dizzy. There's a lot of different symptoms there, but you have to slow down and return to that mostly fat burning pace, which often is pedaling very slowly or, or walking in the case of running. Um, so the important message here is that we're always burning fat, we're always burning carbohydrate, regardless of what we're doing, and it's just a sliding scale of, depending on what energy system we're using, of how much of either we're, we're using. So by riding more slowly at lower heart rates, we're going to be at a greater percentage of that fat fuel. So let's say... Um, Again, just for easy numbers, probably something around like 60, 65% fat and, you know, 35, 40% carbohydrate, give or take. Um, and that's going to train your body to really get good at burning the fat for fuel. And you're going to maybe start out at, um, you know, let's say 120 heart rate and you're riding along at um, 180 watts and you're burning that kind of like 60-40 ratio of fat and carbohydrates. If you do that for a number of hours over several weeks, then eventually it's going to be now you're riding at 190 watts at that same 120 heart rate, at that same 
60-40 fat to carbohydrate ratio. So you're getting faster, burning still the same amount of fuel combination there. You get more fit, now you're up to 200 watts, you know, it keeps building from there. So that is one of the reasons why professional racers are as fast as they are, is they've built up this aerobic base that they can ride quite fast and stay aerobic, burning a more or less endless supply of energy of um, fat, minimizing how much glycogen they have. Therefore, they don't have to consume as much carbohydrates while they're riding or racing to keep those topped off, and they can go for longer distance over, you know, with higher power. Um, so this low heart rate training really emphasizes that fat usage. Now, one of the converse benefits is that your, your body is learning to spare glycogen, not burn up as much of it. Um, so this is really important for longer distance events. Um, and you can basically go faster using less of the high octane carbohydrate fuel and go faster for longer, ultimately. And then another benefit is that you train your body to spare that glycogen. You're, you can actually train your body to increase the amount of glycogen that it can store on board. So give or take, I think the average size person is let's just, roughly around 2,000 calories, mostly stored in the muscles, cells themselves, and a little bit in the liver. You can actually increase the amount of carbohydrates or glycogen that you can pack into the muscles. Hmm, I did not know that one. Yeah, so you might... You're shoving it into the closets. Yeah, exactly. So you can <laughs> shove your closet that little bit more full than before um, as huh. you become better at that. And that has obvious benefits. If you can kind of get more fuel on board, you can, you'll can have more fuel to use, not have to consume as much. Um, and when racing, it's always a balance of... A tricky balance of you want to consume enough sugars to not run out but you don't want to consume so much that you like upset your stomach mm -hmm. and have issues that way um so if you have more on board to start maybe you don't need as much to kind of keep going particularly for shorter like two hour races and whatnot um so there's a lot of benefits from the low heart rate training and you know i think getting to the nutshell of it is you know to slow down to get faster like you right. kind of and trust the process that these benefits will happen, even though it kind of feels like mysterious and magical that those things are going to happen inside your body. Um, but they will if you if you just devote the time to right. low heart rate training. Yeah, and I've been doing this for years. And I'll tell you a quick little story here. Is like when I was eighteen, turning nineteen, um, and decided like I'm going to give it a go to be a professional bike racer. Hired a coach to the thanks of my my mom and moved out to San Diego and which is where my coach was and started training and I was really excited because he's he was coaching at the time like Tinker Juarez Olympian mountain biker world famous mountain biker uh he was coaching Floyd Landis at the time as when he was still a mountain biker Jimena Florit Olympic mountain biker some some others I was like super stoked right when you're 19 and you're like all right I'm going for this he's, he's already coaching all these like up and coming or established in Tinker's part um Riders, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna really work hard and get my butt kicked. And this was like more like November ish. I went out there and the first rides, I was like blown away at how slowly we were riding. It was like I love the story. Yeah, it just didn't it didn't make sense to me as a 19 year old. Like I'm ready to go. Let's let's start let's working. Sprint up this hill. Yeah, and it was like 
okay, we're going to ride from more or less downtown San Diego where my coach lived out to the mountains, which was like at least an hour and a half from my memory, to get through the city. And that was like painfully slow. And then when we got out to the mountains and started climbing, it was like you had to stay in a super easy gear, keep your heart rate as low as you could. And then I was picking up on conversation. I was a very quiet person and observant and listening to everybody. And, you know, I picked up on, like, they were actually trying to keep their heart rate as low as possible while training, as opposed to sort of the opposite of, like, I was always trying to, like, push it up, right, to get faster. And so over time, it was like these rides suddenly were getting longer and longer. We were doing four, five, six-hour rides every day through the, the winter months. And hmm. there's no way I could have done that much had I gone any harder. That was right, one piece exactly. of it. And being able to ride slowly, low enough heart rate allowed us all to ride more distance, get greater volume, and all these aerobic benefits that we just touched on. So, Well, you are incredibly aerobically fit, and it can be... Well, it's sort of a fun game we play when you and I, and if Sophia joins us, um, go for one of our coffee shop rides, a slower-paced recovery ride. Right. And someone will say, what's your heart rate? Yeah, well, yeah. It's like yours is always like 30 beats lower. It's so maddening. Yeah. I'm impressed but frustrated. Right, right. (laughs) And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have that basically under my belt for the rest of my life, more or less, which is a lucky thing, I guess, that I had that experience. And you're slowly developing it, and Sophia will because she's young enough that she'll get there. But you know, it's it's interesting too because being a teenager, like her heart rate, all the teenagers' heart rates are always like so high, and that's just part of the development process. But you know, over time they'll get lower, and um, she'll build that huge base too. But yeah, it's fun to see. Yeah, we're all riding the same speed up the same you know route, and we'll see our heart rates will vary so much. Um, pretty interesting. And, and the, the kind of, as a side note, the maximum heart rates and and racing heart rates are actually similar amongst the three of us. But when we're riding at 15 miles an hour easily, there's quite a big variation. For sure. Well, her heart rate definitely goes higher when she races, but, uh, your race heart rate and my race heart rate are about the same, but our easy pace is very different. Yeah. Our training heart rates are quite a bit different. The low intensity training, right? Rates. Yeah, absolutely. I'm striving to be you. <laughs> um, so before we leave this topic, kind of wrap it up. You know, what is low heart rate? And that this is that was a good segue actually, because it's actually a little, a little different for everybody. Heart rate is something that um, it's really personal. Yeah, it's personal to the person. So you know, I knew people back in San Diego training days. My coach was also coaching some high level masters athletes, and at the time, the I want to say one of the older because I was only 19, she seemed ancient, but she was probably only... The age I am now? No. <laughs> no, she was like 60. She was definitely up there. National champion, time trialist. And the the school of thought was, well, as you get older, your heart rate gets lower. And, you know, older people, 60 plus, you know, can't get their heart rates quite as high. Well, she would time trial at heart rates of like 180. Which, That's amazing. Yeah. It, and that kind of blew that whole thing out of the water. Like, it's not necessarily... If you're old, your heart rate's low. If you're young, your heart rate's high. Um, we also have, um, well, our buddy Chris, who trains with us in-house, he has a sort of an abnormally low heart rate, where like his threshold heart rate is like, I want to say around 150 maybe, and most of his aerobic training's like 110. Yeah, it's really low. It's really quite low. and So it's it, that's not good or bad necessarily. It's just he has a sort of a narrower range of 
numbers to work with um, compared to someone who's more normal at, you know, like a threshold heart rate of, let's say, 170. Um, but, you know, well, he it, knows it's all his relative. body now yeah. from all the testing and training he's done with us, and he knows what zones he should be in. Exactly, exactly. So when we say low heart rate aerobic training, I'm basically referring to roughly about 60 to 75% of your maximum heart rate. Um, and certainly not exceeding 80%. So 80%, and we'll talk a lot more about this in the coming weeks, um, or actually coming months, when we get into like aerobic threshold work, and um, 80% of max heart rate is kind of a tipping point, give or take. It's sort of a, a broad tipping point of the fat utilization and carbohydrate utilization for fuel. You're more or less hovering around that 50-50. So if you start going over 80%, give or take, you're going to start getting into more of the higher intensity Zones, whereas if you keep it under 80, you're more in that lower intensity aerobic base building um, kind of zone. So 60 to 75% of heart rate max is what we, what I would consider kind of low heart rate aerobic training. And it can sometimes even be below. If you're particularly aerobically fit, um, it could be as low as, uh, I mean, it could, yeah, it could be even lower, like 55% potentially. It could be quite low. Um based of that heart rate max. Now, how to figure your heart rate max is another topic in and of itself, but to put simply, the best way to find your heart rate max is going, well, one is testing it and or going and looking maybe at a a race recently um, and seeing what the highest heart rate, ideally something that you know you really pushed yourself to the limit. It wasn't a long race, hopefully shorter, um, and you maybe had to sprint finish or something. Um, and let's take a step back real quickly because there could be someone listening to the podcast that doesn't even know what we're talking about. What do you mean? Go back and look at a race. Like how do you collect the data? Oh, good, good point. So we're talking in this case with, if we're dealing with heart rate, yeah, wearing a heart rate monitor, um, strap that goes around your sternum. Right. And then you have the computer on your bike or a watch on your wrist that where you can read your, it tells you real time heart rate data. Now, if someone doesn't have a heart rate monitor, um, one, I encourage you to get one. They're super valuable. Um, but you can kind of go more by feel and we're probably talking like, um, kind of like six out of 10 would be maybe the top end. Yeah, I would say four or five. Yeah. The low heart rate. Yeah. Definitely like four, four or five is kind of out of 10. We Um, sometimes say conversational pace, but it has to be a realistic conversational pace pace not so how are you doing today it has to be a very easy conversation right where you can have a full-on sentences and everything conversation uh, for the low heart rate training um yeah so figuring out your your heart your max heart rate you're gonna have to kind of if you don't have an idea you're gonna have to go figure it out but basically you know well, we'll talk about the testing soon that yeah, we'll do in I wanna... class. But I do think a race, um, f- like a data from a recent race is very important. Like I know personally, I I think I've tapped out at like 182, 183 in a race. So I've gone off those numbers for the last year or two. Right, right. And I think that's one of the best ways. Really our testing protocol, which that's what I want to talk about in a later podcast, but um, will identify your max heart rate for sure. And then also a race is a good supplement it'll get you close to your max heart rate and if anything it's better to underestimate all these numbers so you're training easily enough rather than overestimate so long story short it's not 220 minus your age 
Um, and if you're really sort of unsure, there's a formula that we've used over the years. Um, I think the credit goes to uh, Dr. Phil Moffatone. He's, he coached a lot of high-profile triathletes in like the 80s and 90s. Um, I think he's still around and pretty popular today. But basically, he has this 180 minus your age formula to find your aerobic maximum heart rate. So this is not your maximum all out. This is like the like that 80% of your max heart rate, more or less. Okay, So 180 minus your age will get you right around 80% of like your max heart rate or what he calls your aerobic threshold or aerobic heart rate, maximum aerobic heart rate. That's what you want to stay under. And I would even take another 10 beats off of that number to be in what we were calling our low heart rate aerobic training. Because there is more of like a medium thresh, aerobic threshold heart rate training that we'll get into in the next block. But for now, it's all this like low, super slow and low heart rate training. Yeah. Okay? Good clarification. So that, that's a good, good one. If you have no idea what your max heart rate is, 180 minus your age and then minus another 10 or so to be in that low heart rate um, area, okay? Um, so hopefully that's helpful. What about power meters? We're big fans of power meters, but they really don't serve a useful purpose at this stage of the training season. And honestly, you, you almost don't even really need it. Um, if you do have it, you can record your rides, and what you want to look for over time is riding around that same, let's say, 70% of max heart rate, cruising along for like a two-hour ride, what you'd want to see over time is improved average power. So if, to begin with, maybe it's 150 watts for those two hours as an average. Maybe in a month, it's now 160 watts. And, you know, it's it's not the best use. Yeah, you had something. Well, I have a story about that because uh, last week, a week from today, um, I went for a bike ride. It was incredibly hot outside. It was 95. Unfortunately, I couldn't go outside until 1230, and so partly that was my fault. And I really, I had this idea in my head. I really wanted to go climb my favorite climb in town, Lookout Mountain. But as I was riding my bike over to that area, which it takes about 45 minutes to get over there, I was noticing on my computer that my, well, first of all, my heart rate was just jumping up so high and I was barely pedaling. I think I was going like 110 watts right. and I was in the 130s. Right. And then my, I got discouraged because my power output was so low. And it messed with my head a little bit, right? Right. So I, as I rode and I rode, I thought that this is so silly. There's no way I'm climbing lookout today. It is foolish. I'm supposed to be following the low heart rate training right. model, and I'm going. I'm not going to make it up lookout. I'm going to end up hurting my knee again by having to have such a slow cadence. Right. So I was really proud of myself that I made a mature choice, turned around, and just found some flat trails to to ride on, so that I could still enjoy a ride outside. Absolutely. Um, but the, the, the point of the story is a power meter at this time of the year can actually be discouraging and counterintuitive to what you're doing. Right. Because you, so. you can get like fix, um, hung up or fixated on, well, that's not what my power should be at that heart rate. Well, if it's 100 degrees out, it's not going to be. Right. Exactly. And many people are have adopted power as like the holy grail and even gone to the point of like they don't even use heart rate or they just think heart rate's inval you know invaluable and it's actually quite opposite and and what was happening with you in your scenario is that, that you had this added stress of heat right a hot day adding you know additional levels of stress to you where you know your body was responding with that higher heart rate so power is like the absolute work that you're doing 
you know, 150 watts is 150 watts or what, you know, is what they always like to say. But the thing is, is if you're trying to train your aerobic system and it's really hot out or some of the other things people will knock heart rate for is if you're dehydrated or, you know, you're at a different altitude or whatever, you didn't get a good night's sleep and all these things naysayers of heart rate say is like a negative benefit of heart rate is that it's too variable. Well, you need to take a step back and ask yourself and look at like, why is it variable? You know, heart rate is a direct measurement of the stress being applied to your body. And it's like the output or the, yeah, it's like how hard your body's having to work to achieve whatever the workload is. Yeah, it's sort of like the, the dashboard power. in your car. It's telling you what's going on, the RPMs of the engine and the, the speed. Right, and right. So if you're you adding that. additional stress, which in your case was that hot day, right? then you need to slow down. Whereas if you were just going by power and we said, we well, need to ride 120 watts to be aerobic. You would have rode those 120 watts, but in fact, you would have had to, it would have been much more stressful. You would have basically had to work harder because of the added heat stress, and you would have been outside of like the aerobic adaptations at that point. Um, you know, so it's very important, and we'll talk a lot about this over our, the whole base builder training program because there are benefits to heart rate and power, and there's uses for both at different times of the year, and how they actually interrelate and how we use them to work hard for intervals. You know, we'll focus on power and then reference heart rate. And likewise, the early part of the phase, we'll use more heart rate and reference power and kind of see how they both interact. Um, and that that's a whole other topic coming up, but one that I really am passionate about because I am a big fan of training with power. We have them on all our bikes, but that's not to say power is the only thing and throw your heart rate monitor away. Heart rate, if I can only actually have one of the two tools, heart rate or power, I would get heart rate. Um, but power is very valuable and worth, in my opinion, worth getting as well. Um, so we'll leave it at that. That's a strong statement, right? Throw out your, uh, or if you can only have one, go with heart yeah. rate. <laughs> What's the least, least expensive Yeah, I mean, too, that's so. great too. And it's like, yeah, there's so many good benefits. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that because we're running a little long here. So we'll call that good on the low heart rate training. Keep it easy. Keep it fun. Um, and you'll see some benefits over the coming weeks and, and months that we focus on that. So I want to talk, before we kind of leave it here, is talk about week two of our base builder program. Um, the phase we're into right now is this first phase. The The main focus is the strength intro, which we talked about in the last episode, episode five. Um, we're going to keep progressing there. And then the other portion of the phase we're in is this low heart rate aerobic foundation, um, which is why we talked about that in this show. Um and then also some options to add some cyclocross, and we'll talk about how to do that too. So if you're following our program, well, actually, let's say if you're not following our program, consider following it. Um, you can still join in, like we said at the, the beginning of the show. Go to our website, find it, and sign up. We'd love to have you. Um, kind of rushing here. I don't want to keep us too much longer. But the strength piece, we're still in that adaptation phase, just week two. So it's a very minimal change. Basically, we're increasing the loads just slightly, from week one, continuing to learn movements. Um, you know, you've only barely scratched the surface on all the movements we have, um, which all can be found on our YouTube channel, Session 6 Sport Performance. Um, so keep up the good work there um, with those two strength workouts and um, just gradually working through through those. We'll keep it simple there. Um, so on the bike, the focus, like we just talked about, was this low heart rate aerobic foundation is what we're trying to build. Um, so first and foremost, those following the plan on your training peaks, um, there, there are cyclocross options. So for those of you that are not, 
going to do cyclocross, which was probably many of you, you can go ahead and just like delete those off of your calendar. So you you should be able to figure out how to click on it and delete the workout so it can just sort of be, or the cyclocross suggestion, so it's removed from your I believe it's the top right corner. I think you're correct. Um, If you have issues, let us know, but we'll, um, I think you can figure that out. If you are doing um, cyclocross, well, we'll get to that later here. I got my notes here. So let's move on. So edit the plan accordingly. And that also goes for, I think we have about four rides a week suggested, sometimes five rides a week. That may be more than what you want at this point in time. So you have the flexibility to basically follow or not follow anything we put. We kind of put sort of a general prescription that we think will work for many people, for most people. But you can feel free to tailor it. And if you want like two rest days instead of one, you know, you could delete one of those rides. Definitely keep the two strength workouts because you you don't want to just do one. You want the two strength workouts, but you can kind of manipulate the other rides um, for now. Later on in November, we'll add two trainer workouts. And to be perfectly honest, if you just do the two strength workouts, the two trainer workouts, and that's all you did, you went skiing on the weekend, you'd still be gaining quite a bit of base fitness. Um, so you don't have to do everything on there. Feel free to um, edit that. Um the workouts, specifically the bike workouts, um, at this point, this phase are kind of low to moderate volume. Um, the ranges prescribed on there are anywhere from one to four hours. Um, now, this is going to be dependent on the individual, how, where you are in your cycling experience and interest. You know, maybe three one hour rides is perfect for you. Those of you that are maybe more advanced, have been doing this longer, more competitive, or have more free time. You can push the envelope to two hours, three hours, four hours kind of thing as we go through this. So there is a range provided. Use your sense um, on what you think you're capable of. And if you don't know, ask us questions. You know, we have a forum on our website where you can, you know, ask questions, get responses. As we build this up, there's not much activity now, but we're going to hopefully get it going. Um, Other members can respond like what they're doing, what they suggest. Kathy and I can definitely get involved in that as well. And we might start answering questions on the podcast too. Yeah, as we get more questions gathered, we'll we'll definitely go that route as well. But in general, it's low to moderate volume is the target for these first eight weeks. But starting on the lower end and then gradually building up to moderate. So some people that might be building up to four-hour rides. Others, maybe you start with a hour ride and you're going to build up to a two hour long ride, um, this time of the year, you know, it's all going to be a little bit individual. Um, uh, intensity is all low. So it's all what we just talked about. This low heart rate intensity, mostly around that 60 to 75% of, um, your maximum heart rate and trying to not exceed 80% of max heart rate where you tip more into the carbohydrate burning side of things. You want to stay fat burning, for the most adaptations, you'll see the most body composition changes um, and build that aerobic fitness. Now, that said, I said mostly 65 to 75%. Once a week, if you're interested, um, it's great to go get some unstructured intensity. So on our training plan, that's on Saturday. You can move that to a different day as, as desired. If you have like a group ride with some friends on a Thursday or you'd rather do Sunday than Saturday or whatever, you have some freedom to move that around. Unstructured intensity can be interpreted in a, several different ways. 
One um, is simply riding with some friends that are a little quicker than you, or if you just want to push the pace here and there a little bit and get your heart rate above 80%, it's fine, but keep it relatively minimal and short and not overly fatiguing. Other options are like group rides, like the Saturday World Championship group ride in your area. Um, Also, if you're a road biker and you want to try mountain biking, and that will inevitably get your heart rate up higher just by riding the terrain. Some different options there. And then the other one that um, we'll talk about is adding a cyclocross race. Those are typically on a weekend, um, usually 45 to 60 minutes and um, kind of unstructured intensity. So you'll be going pretty hard for that duration. But, um, you know, it's kind of fun. It's not like you're doing intervals per se. You're just pushing yourself, getting your heart rate up. So I like including that. One, it's fun because the low heart rate training Sometimes people feel a little shackled. This kind of lets you get the shackles off and push it a little bit. And it kind of keeps you, the sharp end, upper end of stuff, just stimulated enough um, that, you know, it has some benefits down the road as well. The overall goal is, you know, keep everything fun. We're going to get plenty of, quote, fun intervals, hard work ahead. So right now, enjoy actually riding more easily, more slowly with friends, that sort of thing, um, to make the most of it. Um, so those, one last little note here before we wrap things up, those racing cross, um, that weekend race we just talked about as a, as an option doesn't have to be every weekend. It can be every other weekend. I would avoid racing twice like Saturday and Sunday. I mean, the more advanced cyclocross racers, if it's like your, your season is cross, go for it. But if your season is cross, you're probably not thinking about base building right now. But if you're building your base and you want to do some cross for fun and, the the advantages there once a week is plenty um and then you can also consider adding sort of a cross practice middle of the week so we popped it in on wednesday on the calendar i know locally here in denver there's a wednesday night practice race at least for a few weeks um in september that's great you know they're shorter not overly i mean you make them intense as you want but really it's more about getting back to like the skills in fact they're called back to basics um series and um, just going through the skills at higher paces and speeds and, you know, you're not completely destroying yourself. Um, or just simply going to a park and practicing your mounting and dismounting and um, things of that nature is a great option as well. So you can kind of add that in. Um, so that's for the, the base building cross racers as well. Um, am I missing anything? No, I think I think that's good. Okay, good. I mean, we've covered a lot. I think this went... Pretty yeah, well. sorry, we went a little bit longer, yeah. but we got excited talking about. Right, right. <laughs> We're passionate about our low heart rate. Slow down. Base building, especially this time of year. Um, so we'll leave it with uh, you know if you have questions on anything we talked about or really anything at all, we do have our forum on our website. It's brand new, so there's little, very little, if any, activity at this point. We'll kind of get it going here, hopefully, in the coming weeks. But it's endurance.session6.com forward slash forum, or just go to our website and click the forum at the top. Um, and we've got some topics created, ask some questions. The goal with that is to get, allow people to ask questions, but have our users, our followers here, our listeners respond as well and give their two cents on what they're doing or, or answering a question. And Kathy and I will be involved as well. So hopefully it just gets kind of like that community going and, um, some conversations back and forth on stuff. Um, or if you want to email us directly, you can do that as well. Um, it's either Cody at session com or Kathy with a K at session six.com. Cody with a C. 
Kathy with a K. Right. <laughs> um, I knew a Cody with a K, which is, in my opinion... Yeah, don't confuse one. them. <laughs> yeah, so C, Cody with a C, Kathy with a K, at session6.com for questions. Um, and then also, we'll leave it with... Um, we also have some base builder stock training plans on our website, so um, consider that that our Labor Day sale that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is coming up 25% off. So go check those out if you're not sure um, what to do, or if maybe if you're not ready to start your base, we have the shorter duration versions that you can implement after the new year or whenever you want um, on our website, and then our, our Labor Day sales coming up. Base Builder 25 is the discount code to use on Training Peaks. Um, to download that. And then the last bit is um, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Another couple of weeks, once we get like 10 episodes or so in, we're going to submit to some other like Spotify and SoundCloud and some other, um, I don't know. iHeart, I think it's iHeart. Yeah, yeah. The, I forget what they call it, Podcatcher program or whatever, however you distribute the podcast. So you'll have some more options there. But for now, we're on iTunes. Um, and if you really like what you're like listening to, you know, leave a rating. There's the little stars. Hopefully you get a five-star rating. And then reviews are great as well because they help like your ranking and people can find us yeah, more. Yeah, we'd really appreciate the help people. Yeah, get more activity there. So subscribe, number one. And if you feel inclined, leave a rating and a review. All right. I think okay. we're good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Keep up the training. And we'll uh, talk, talk to you to next you week. Soon.